Welcome to our Polaris podcast. I am Jeremy Whitbeck, a partner of the Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, and we have on with us Jeff Powell. So Jeff is our managing partner and chief investment officer. Jeff, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. So Jeff, uh, really an interesting time. We just uh, completed our first quarter of the year and going into it, uh, I know there's a lot of uh, questions as to what 2021 was going to look like. Obviously, just off the back of 2020, which ended the year very strong. There were definitely some concerns that maybe 2020 ended a little too strong, meaning that maybe it got a little bit ahead of ourselves um, when the uh, year ended. But here we are, the end of uh, the first quarter, and things are looking pretty good. Um, certainly, uh, there are areas that uh, have done quite well. Jeff, do you mind giving us a recap of how uh, some of the different areas of the market have performed for this first quarter? Yeah, of course. So let's uh, let's start off broad, and then we can kind of get a little bit more narrow, and and even perhaps get uh, you know some specifics with uh, some of what Polaris Wealth has done for our clients as well in the same regard. If you're looking at you know the the major asset classes, so uh, when we're looking at this, you know, this is where you take into consideration things like commodities and bonds and other areas. Uh, the commodity marketplace, which really got kind of beaten up last year. Uh, was uh, leading the charge uh, first quarter. It was up uh, a little north of 14%. Uh, we had things like the S&P 500, which certainly should, uh, shouldn't be overlooked by any stretch of the imagination, rolling in with a solid uh, just shy of 6.2% uh, total return. Not that you would ever want to do this and annualize it, but if you were looking at it in this kind of context, I mean, with having a really strong 2020 number coming in and then people being worried about where things were heading going into 2021. Uh, that's a pretty solid number to be throwing up there. Uh, international actually did slightly better, domestic, uh, developed international. Uh, the EFA index was up just shy of 7.6%. Emerging markets just shy of four. Uh, really interesting though, uh, when you then kind of start dissecting it from there. We spent a ton of money uh, over the, the last year uh, with stimulus spending and so on, uh, most people would be expecting gold prices to be going up with, with worry of inflation, yet gold was down almost 10% for the quarter. Uh, the dollar was up 3.6%. So again, kind of an opposite of what you would expect out of the market as an overall. Um, but if you're gonna really look at some extremes, we really had an extreme within the bond market. Uh, we had long-term uh, treasuries losing 14% of their value, which from a historical standpoint uh, is uh, up there with the worst quarters ever. Uh, again, it was 13.51 to be exact, but you know, rounding it to 14, you've really only had one other quarter, and that was in the late 70s, early 80s. That was worse going back 100 years. So as much as last year we were talking about uh, some of the first time ever is with having a, the fastest 30% drop in the stock market and so on. This is a pretty significant thing to be seeing uh, regarding the, uh, the bond market. And then what we threw out to, uh, to clients at the beginning of the year uh, really has come through th to fruition. And that is, if you're gonna kind of break down the value marketplace versus the growth marketplace. And we were pounding the table saying, hey, we're moving to value hard. You know, the value marketplace is going to outperform um, and it's exactly what ended up happening. So if you're looking at having 
the S&P 500 being up 6.7 or 6.17%, it was driven by value. Uh, if you're looking at large cap value, large cap value was up 13 or 11.3%, whereas large cap growth was up less than one. It was a almost uh, slightly greater, I should really say, um, right at a 10% differential between uh, the, the largest spread of value to growth. We haven't seen a, a spread like this since the early 2000s. And that was when obviously the dot-com bubble burst and we had you know, all these growth companies just falling out of bed and value held in. And that's the last time you've seen anything like what we're seeing right now. And we're not going back, and again, we've discussed this before, we're not saying that this has any parallel to the dot-com bubble bursting by any stretch. What we are saying is that you've had such an extreme, you've had a four plus year time period in which growth outperformed value that you really should be looking very differently at your portfolio and how you're positioning it. So for example, Jeremy, if you're really looking at what performed in this last quarter, energy. Energy was up almost 31%. Financials was up 16%. Industrials, which we were pounding the table on, were up 11.4%. Materials up 9%. And then if you look again back to what was working the best last year, technology was only up two. Now, if you're if you're looking at consumer discretionary, it was up three. So we said this before. We're going to reiterate uh, a lot of things, uh, you know, in our quarterly newsletter and things of that nature. Which is, what leads you to new highs is oftentimes something wildly different that got you out of the recession to begin with, and that's what we've seen. And that's where really Polaris has really been been shining is that we've been very much in front of. Uh, what we've seen with regard to that marketplace. Yeah, so Jeff, uh, thank you for that uh, great summary and certainly a lot of uh, really interesting trends that have taken place. Um, I found your comments about gold and the US dollar being especially surprising just given some of the expectations thrown out there. Um, on, on a similar vein, uh, there's certainly been a lot of uh, data that's come out with regard to the economy. In fact, we just had the last jobs report that came out very po uh, positive, which caused the surge in the market that we had. Um, recently, can you walk us through what are some of the uh, the economic trends that we're seeing, um, some of the statistics that people are paying attention to? Well, I mean, obviously, one of the biggest things is obviously the jobs report. I mean, if you're if you're unemployed, you really aren't going to be spending money the same way that if you were actually working. A lot of the stimulus money that's been uh, been going out into the public, a lot of that has gone into uh, not only private hands but also public hands where they're hiring back people. Uh, the amount of government cuts to the job market was pretty significant. And so you are starting to see those types of people getting hired back. Um, if you're looking at unemployment, we we, uh, we peaked in April of last year at 14.8%. So uh, pretty much a year ago, uh, we were looking at having a very different circumstance on our hands than we are right now. Uh, we've gone from 14.8, which again, the largest unemployment uh, in my lifetime. You've got to go back to 1937 uh, to hit levels that were higher than that. So uh, are there people listening that were alive then? Sure. Uh, were they investing then? Probably not. Uh, so, I mean, we're, we're going off of statistics that we never thought that we'd have to work off of. Uh, so we've now gone from 14.8% down to 62 
uh, and we've also seen wage growth uh, on the rise. Wage growth right now is at 5.1%. Uh, to give it some perspective on a historical level, wage growth historically from 1970 to present is a 4% growth rate. So we're having above average wage growth. Unemployment from a historical standpoint is 6.3%, we're at 6.2. Um, that being said, unemployment was significantly lower than average uh, before COVID hit. We were sitting under 4% unemployment rates. Uh, what I always kind of find interesting out of this, uh, Jeremy, is, is really if you're, if you're looking at uh, what education does to an unemployment rate. So again, saying 6.2s are over, or 6. Point, yeah, 6.2 is the overall unemployment rate, but if you have a college degree or, or greater, unemployment for people with higher education is 3.8. Versus if you don't have a, uh, a high school degree, it's over 10. And so it's it's so commonplace uh, to, to be looking at it. And obviously that's one of the, uh, the bigger uh, income disparity issues that we've got as a country is education. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I think we're gonna see that message continue to be uh, reiterated that education really has been the big differentiator for multiple decades now on not only the ability to find employment, but also to keep those jobs when we go through the rough times. That's always the uh, people that have less than a college degree that get the uh, hardest impacted. Exactly. And so Jeff, um, I do wanna spend a little bit of time and talk about the dark cloud that's kind of lurking in the distance. I think that cloud's shrinking every day, but that is with COVID. Where it does the country and where does the world stand for that matter with uh, with vaccinating people and being able to stand up against the uh, COVID pandemic? Yeah, I mean we've we've uh, obviously hit on this multiple multiple times and it's obviously uh, should be front of mind for everybody. Uh, I think that the, the thought process behind it is, you know, until we have. COVID really uh, under wraps, and I mean that from a global basis, not just a, a US basis, that things really can't go back to normal. Um, so you've got some pretty interesting trends going on in the US where you know, for the most part, we've gone through our major spike uh, that we were expecting around the holidays. Things have gotten very uh, much in control here, but you do have areas of the country uh, that are starting to see uh, resurgence. Uh, we have uh, obviously an office in Michigan, so that one comes close to mind with uh, hearing out stuff, but you're seeing uh, an uptick in Texas, you're seeing an uptick in Florida and New York and a number of other places where uh, they were significantly better than where they are right now just a few weeks ago. Uh, I, have a, I hope that spring break does not bring yet another surge of, of new cases. Um, you know, it's really, you know, a scary virus. We still are learning a lot of the long-term effects. I was just reading recently, especially for people that were hospitalized, uh, the mental health issues, anxiety and post-traumatic stress disorder and a number of other things are substantially higher uh, for people that have had COVID. Uh, so they're just, again, learning newer and newer things about uh, the side effects uh, that are going on uh, with it. So. We are seeing a, a significant rollout uh, within the United States. Uh, we are kind of leading the charge with full vaccinations. That being said, uh, the United Kingdom is actually doing something kind of interesting. We're there and kind of going with a, uh, we'd rather get more people with one shot than having uh, two shots and, and less people. 
So they've got almost 50% of their population right now uh, having received at least one vaccine, whereas the United States is about 30% with one and you know, kind of in the 12 to 15% range for the, uh, the second shot uh, as, uh, as a secondary. So we're doing very well, especially with that. Other, other countries are really lagging um, and you're not seeing uh, the same sort of, of rollout, uh, mainly due to the fact that the US government actually did something smart early in the COVID, which was they bet on nine, 10 different providers and, and provided them contracts and money saying, we're gonna back you in your research. And if you're the one who gets it, we are first in line. And uh, through billions that direction, which is coming back to, to pay off us uh, very handsomely, uh, that being said, you're seeing other areas of the, of the world. India is one that really kind of jumps up uh, at me. I'm sorry, uh, India is definitely seeing an uplift, uh, but Brazil uh, is really the country I wanted to talk about where you're just seeing their entire hospital system completely overrun. And so it's it's really kind of a sad situation. It is spreading in other places like Argentina as well, um, where they're not quite as bad as, as Brazil, but Brazil literally is maxing out uh, their entire hospital system on a national basis. And so they're they're definitely dealing with uh, what we dealt with months ago, uh, where their whole system is being uh, completely taxed by this. So until we get a global herd immunity, you know, how are you gonna travel? I mean, you, so travel will be just in the United States. Most of our clients love traveling abroad. They go to places like Asia, they go to places like Europe, uh, even into Africa, you know, there's there's no vaccines going into Africa right now. I was talking to a client in uh, in Switzerland, and while she is retired, she was telling me to not that she was not expecting to be vaccinated for six months. It's kind of crazy to think about it in that way, where we're you know twiddling our fingers, wondering why we haven't gotten our shot yet, and wondering you know is it going to be a week or two away type of thing versus six months. So really until we have a herd immunity on a global basis, do we really have a, a shot at having a, a normalization? So it's awesome that you know that what we're doing here in the US, it's certainly gonna make people feel more comfortable. We'll get our economy hopefully up and running uh, faster as a result of that. And obviously we've got to look at ourselves first before we can help others, but you know, this needs to be a, a, a thought of as a global uh, solution rather than just a U.S. solution. Yeah, no, that's a, a great summary, Jeff. Um, one other thing that I've been watching because I've personally been interested in is just the variants of COVID and how that's impacted uh, populations and, and perhaps uh, more importantly, how the vaccines have held up. And what I found really promising is that there's been some preliminary uh, testings um, where they found that the vaccines are holding up really well to the uh, the variants that have emerged. So um, hopefully that continues where it looks like uh, as we continue to get up to the herd immunity that the vaccine will continue to uh, be effective even as the virus continues to mutate uh, through the population. So a lot of really promising things, but certainly a lot of work ahead to get the world um, to that herd immunity to where we truly can eradicate this uh, terrible disease. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think your point is a very good one, which is, you know, obviously the mutation uh, does continue to linger and, and be uh, a, a fear factor for a lot of scientists. Um, and then, you know, to your, your point, again, global, not just domestic, 
really what we got to be looking at. So yes, we need to define that. If there was a, a major disruption in production, that would be another you know reason to sit there and perhaps get a little bit more defensive in one's portfolio. We're not seeing at the moment. You know, uh, we are seeing you know, a little bit of side effect here and there for uh, the different uh, vaccines that are out and available. Uh, but you know, having four major uh, companies being able to to produce this, um, you know, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, I'll take it any time. Yeah. And then the last thing, and I know we've talked about this a little bit in uh, previous podcasts, but the the one big thing is the major infrastructure bill that we have in the uh, U.S. with, uh, um, I believe, the latest estimates about 2.4 trillion. Can you just talk a little bit about what that means, um, what that will potentially uh, or I guess rather uh, the impact that that will potentially have on the U.S. economy and what that does to afford uh, expectations. Yeah, I mean, what you're really kind of hitting on, and, and it's certainly worth noting and, and discussing more of, we have newer clients that are, are concerned about this as well as older clients, which is uh, when does a game of musical chairs end? Um, you know, with the current stimulus, uh, the way it is, the expectations for GDP growth for the U.S., is 3% for this year and 2.9% for next. Those are above average uh, figures for us. If you're looking at a post great recession type of, of situation, we've been more in the two, three, two, four percent range. So, I mean, this is a substantial increase in GDP growth, which should translate into stronger earnings and everything else that goes along with it. From a global perspective, you're looking at almost a doubling of that, more like 6%. Uh, again, with countries like India and China leading the way with uh, with the, the growth pattern, but Europe is also expected to do quite well out of all of this. You know, throwing a, a additional stimulus into it, um, you know, there's there is a fear that that will have this, uh, you know, an inflationary uh, pressure uh, on the markets. Uh, the best way of of offsetting inflation is to grow your money, uh, grow your portfolio. Um, you know, we are still thinking value has. A substantial uh, further upside. You know, I threw out to people again. We're we're getting conversations back, but it's it's kind of funny. Like our, our focus value strategy was up almost 25% just in the first quarter of this year. Uh, and then people are like, "Well, what else can I expect from you?" I'm like, "We're greedy. You know, we're not taking the next nine months off." We have choked about that, but we're not taking the next nine months off. We think there's a lot more opportunities still out there, and when you throw money towards you know, a stimulus package, you know, like what we're talking about here. Again, the industrials, materials, uh, certain areas of consumer discretionary, um, you know, financials, um, a little bit in the alternative energy space, the, the green energy space, which, oh, by the way, your major oil companies are the biggest spenders in that space. So we've seen some terrific numbers. And then I, I mean that really across the board. We did not have one. So we run eight stock strategies. Every single one of our stock strategies outperformed its like benchmark and did so handedly. Our flagship uh, strategy, for example, our rise in dividend growth and income was up 14.3%. Net of all fees for the quarter, uh, where its benchmark was up less than five. So I think we can squeeze a lot more, even though we've gotten a lot of uh, great work done, Jeremy, so far in this quarter. Um, I think that there's a lot more opportunity. Uh, I think the majority of that is going to be found in the areas that we talked about. Uh, there also could be. Uh, some interesting international opportunities for those that are interested in uh, and looking in that direction. Our global growth strategy would definitely be a, a direction that you'd want to uh, 
uh, give some consideration uh, if you are wanting to take advantage of, of what we're seeing abroad. Uh, but there's a there's a ton of opportunities still out there. Um, we've talked about this before where we are on a macro level, nowhere close to the end of this bull market's uh, run that we're expecting to see go on for some time. So if you're sitting on cash, if you're worried about what's going on, there's a couple ways of solving it. You know, one is to to throw about half your money in and then dollar cost average the other half. That way you're you're correct either way. If the market's run up, you've got a, a substantial enough amount of your money that's working for you and and then you can dollar cost average the rest of your money. Uh, or you know, you, you can sit there and dollar cost uh, average all of it. But really when we're talking about having this much stimulus being thrown at the markets, you know, you've got to be able to grow your your portfolio uh, and keep in front of the areas where this money is being spent. That's the key to it. And those are uh, primarily in the value segment of the marketplace. There are some things with regard to technology that we'll be uh, also investing within as well, uh, but it is much more skewed to more of the value-oriented uh, infrastructure uh, companies that you would expect, uh, not the, the, you know, the technology companies. Yeah, Jeff, uh, great advice and uh, uh, really appreciate your not just explaining what we've been through, but also uh, explaining where it looks like things are headed. Certainly a lot of opportunity up ahead, um, something that I'm really excited about, just being able to capture that. Um, and I'm sure there'll be some surprises in there and why I know you, your team, all of us are very diligent in staying in front of all this data so that way we can fully uh, incorporate it as it comes available. So as always, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. Um, and to all of you that are listening with us, thank you for uh, giving us your ear. Um, but as always, be happy, be safe, and be healthy. Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, is a federally registered investment advisor. The information, statements, and opinions expressed in this material are provided for general information only and are subject to change without notice. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, is not intended as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security, and is not intended as individual or specific advice. It should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, if necessary, seek professional advice. Polaris Wealth does not offer professional, legal, or tax advice. All information contained herein is believed to be accurate, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns. Diversification does not assure a profit or protect against loss. Investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. No advice may be rendered by Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, unless a client service agreement is in place.